This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. Today's message is from the Book of Acts sermon series. In this series, we're diving deeper into how God has invited us into His mission, how the Holy Spirit was present at the beginning of the church and is active now, and how the local church is God's primary method to change the world. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message encourages you. Good morning, Life Church. Happy uh, summer. Glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. If you're joining us online, we're certainly Grateful that you have been, become part of this moment. We've been talking uh, about the Holy Spirit and kind of the, the mini-series in the midst of, of our uh, discovery and work in the book of Acts this summer. And uh, we want to continue with that. The ministry of Jesus is the place that we go to to begin to learn because this is like the first time that, that the world actually saw really saw God in the moment, not just God showing up at a, at a, a moment of great need or a moment of, of revelation, but God with boots on the ground moving. Jesus did everything with the Holy Spirit. He didn't move without him. And as a result of that, his ministry began to show the effects of God in the moment. In fact, there was recently discovered a photograph that proved that Jesus really didn't do anything with, without the Holy Spirit. It, it's a uh, it's Jesus surfing with the Holy Spirit. He, yeah. That was, we're just so thankful that was caught on film. We're thankful. We, uh, I want to I just make a quick reference. Last week and this week, how, how many of you think that, that picture is actually authentic? <laughs> Me too. There's two of us. That's the real thing. Um, last week's sermon and this week's sermon are, are talking about what is it like to have this authentic Christian experience once it's truly overseen by the Holy Spirit. See, everything the Holy Spirit does as a result of this internal work that he's doing in me that we talked about last week, this, this work uh, of God changing me and, and reproducing himself in me, everything that he does should always find itself working its, its way out in me. It should be always working outwardly. It works into my relationships, into my choices, into my lifestyle, into my, my participation in church and at work and at home. All these places where the Holy Spirit begins to show up because given an opportunity, the Holy Spirit will always lead us to an outwardly focused life. That's where he's headed. The inwardly focused life by itself easily becomes self-centered. All about me. But when it's turned outwardly, this outwardly focused life is a life that is not content to serve itself, but it is lived pointed towards others. It is how we become this living sacrifice that Paul talked about and how the kingdom of God moves forward. It moves forward by my participation, by the Holy Spirit working through me. The, Holy, the, the kingdom moves forward whenever the occasions present itself and I am available. See, it will always be with the Holy Spirit acting through me. So turn with me, if you would, to Acts 3, verse 11. The, uh, you know this story. 
Pentecost has come. The church is starting to grow. Uh, they're going daily. Peter and the others, the others are, are growing. The, the numbers are growing. People are, are being drawn to them. They're going up to the temple on a daily basis. And they walk past this man that they no doubt have walked past many times before. Jesus probably walked past him. And he was, he was a man they brought there. He, hadn't, he, he couldn't walk. And they, they would bring him there and he would beg alms at the, at the temple. And, and, he, and this, of course, famously, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I give, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Grabbed him by the hand. Strength comes in. There's healing. The man jumps up, begins to run back and forth, shouting in the temple. People aren't used to people shouting in church. And so they just kept, got excited. And, and the crowd started to come. What is going on now? These people are one more time creating a ruckus. And that's where we pick it up at verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? There's a question. If, if you're looking for something to tattoo on your arm, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus, unless they miss it. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. And then jump down to verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know they knew this guy's story, was made strong. It is Jesus' name, the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Day of Pentecost has come and gone. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And so now empowered by the Holy Spirit, these guys were beginning to do exactly what they had seen Jesus do. Isn't that right? See, preaching Jesus' kingdom message and doing what he did was the gospel as Jesus taught and Jesus demonstrated it. And folks, I'm here to tell you, it still is. The gospel isn't simply the sermon that we preach trying to capture the minds of our listeners. It is a way of life. It's, it's the good news that begins to heal minds and heals bodies. It cares for people's needs. It, it sets people free from demonic and habitual uh, bondages. It heals personalities. It restores relationship and it builds community. This, this kingdom message, the Holy Spirit in our life, this presence was God working in and through the church, again, boots on the ground, making them agents to accomplish all that God determined to do. Church, that's who we are. The disciples just simply picked up where Jesus left off. They were doing what they had seen. They were, they were preaching what they had heard. If you keep reading past Acts 3 and Acts 4, uh, you see these believers, this deep, this change in their lives begins to bring out this deep generosity. They're selling their stuff. They're, they're taking care of one another. They're taking care of the poor and including them. If you go into Acts 5, you begin to see signs and wonders at the hands of these believers, just not Peter, not just Peter and John, but all of them began to experience this, this great, 
grace in, in their lives for other people. In, in Acts 6, you begin to see the widows being cared for and that care being institutionalized into, into the activity and the planning of the church. In 7, of course, we see Stephen paying for that. He was one of those deacons. Uh, and, and 8, this, uh, there's, a, there's a revival breaks out in Samaria because one of Jesus' followers takes him at his word and takes the word there. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit shows up there too. And on and on and on, it goes through the book. It, it looks, it was almost no time before the disciples, this internal transformation, this thing that God had done in them by the presence, the thing we talked about last week. If you didn't, if you didn't hear last week's sermon, let me encourage you to go back and, and listen to it again. This work of sanctification. How do we, how do we say it? Sanctification. Hallelujah. Yeah. So it's, uh, we'll get it right. Uh, it, it's this thing of, of this work that God's doing in me that gets out of me and begins to get back into the world where it belongs. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not to navel gaze, but to do something that matters, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, the truth is, I didn't always understand this. I, I was raised in a really solid Christian home, and, and, and I knew Jesus at a very early age. But I didn't know how present the Holy Spirit intended to be in my life. In fact, we, the group that I was raised in taught that the day of miracles was long gone, that it was over. It was commonly taught that, that those who still believe that God actually did miracles, that he actually showed up and did stuff, that they were deluded. And, and that they were driven by experience alone, and so their practices were not biblically sound. That's what I believed. That's what I was taught. But over time, I began to believe that that criticism itself was also driven by experience and, or lack of experience, and that it also was not biblically sound. That God is in my life in the moment. I once heard a, an old African-American preacher uh, was talking about this thing of God being here. He says, you can no more talk about an experience you've never had than you can come back from a place you've never been. But that's what I'd heard growing up. But I had this moment in my life where, where um, you know, as a young man, I couldn't wait to get out of high school. Anybody else feel that way? Yeah. How many of you now know what it means to get out of high school? Yeah. We call it a mortgage. <laughs> and God bless you. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I couldn't wait to get out. My first semester, I went to good old UNR. I think I'm the only staff person here that actually graduated from the University of Nevada, Reno. Yeah. Yeah, go pack. And, uh, but that first semester, man, that was, the, that was the semester I did what I wanted, when I wanted, with whom I wanted, as long as I wanted, whatever it cost. Now, somehow, at the end of that first semester, I got on the dean's list. Now, how many of you know the dean actually has two lists? There's, there's the one that your parents brag about, and then there's this other one. That's the one I got on. 
I got a letter that said, Dear Mr. Chisholm, I, if we do not see a marked improvement in your academic performance in the coming semester, it will be necessary. Yeah, you get the picture. <laughs> but it was, it was a very sobering moment for me. First, I just thought it was financial because I'd raised every dime to go to college and it just poured it down a rat hole. But I also began to ask some questions about myself. That thing went from being financial to being spiritual. And so for the next year and a half, I started this quest of this thing because I didn't want to repeat what I had seen growing up. They're dear people who love Jesus, but, but man, that, it was like first church of the buzzkill. That's where I went. It wasn't there to have fun. We were there to just whatever, hang on until Jesus came back or you died, whichever came first. And I just, I was doing business with God. I didn't realize it, but, but I wanted something. And what I began to long for was this authentic presence of God in my life. The whole Jesus people thing was going on in Southern California and over in, over in, in uh, San Francisco area. And I was hearing about this and I was wanting something. I began to read my Bible. How many of you know that's not a bad place to go? But one of the things that began to, began to rattle me a little bit was that my life did not look anything like what the people in the Bible were living. And in fact, I didn't really know too many people who did that. And so I, I, it, it took a couple of, of years, a year and a half or so. I started doing youth work started um, gathering people together, went back to college for my second year. By the way, I did get on the other dean's list, you just in case you were worried. Uh, don't don't uh, uh, text me to find out I got on. Um, but it was, beginning to, it was beginning to drive me a little bit nuts. But I began to come to a conclusion. And the conclusion was this. I was born again, I knew that. There's no question, if I was to die, I'd go to heaven. I knew, I knew that. But that my life wasn't where it should be, I knew that too. And I came to the conclusion that what I needed was the active presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I did not know him. I knew Jesus, the Son, I knew God the Father, but the Holy Spirit was a mystery. And I began to pursue him with all my life of all my heart. After my second year, much more successful year, even though God did something very miraculous for me, he separated me from all my friends. <laughs> it was like the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because I was, um, I think the word they used to use was social. They always talked about me in terms of potential. Um, <laughs> Uh, not reality, but potential. And so I was one of those kids. And so God, in, in his care for me and in this pursuit, this hunger that was growing in my heart, I got separated. I was still going to school, but, but I, I got car broke down. All kinds of things happened to just keep me away from everybody. But it was in that moment I started doing business with God. Didn't really understand that's what was happening, but I was reading my Bible and the book of Acts was particularly bothersome to me. I didn't see it. So as I went back into that next summer, I went to work, I was working in a copper mine to earn money, which was good money. So uh, I, I was back in, but in the midst of that, I, it was at that point that I finally said, I had given my heart to Jesus, but I had never surrendered to his oversight. Jesus is Lord, 
that, that activity happens only by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Only. And so the, as I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I, in that summer, I, it wasn't incredibly emotional, but I felt like God had filled me. He had done what I had asked him to do. And the, and the most remarkable thing about it was not only did my life begin to change, but everybody around me saw that my life was changing. The real, my, my dad even said about me, he said, it was so wonderful. Whatever happened to you was so wonderful. He said, but I thought we were gonna have to lock you in a cage for a few months just for you to calm down. I was telling everybody, I went back, when I went back to school, uh, man, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I lost a lot of friends that next semester. Uh, yeah, they, I was a little heavy handed. Uh, See, here's what I want to say. The outwardly focused life really begins this transformation. You can't have this transformation without the thing going on. You need to take care of your soul. Your soul needs to match what Scripture says it's supposed to be. Now, that's last week's sermon, so I don't intend to stay there. The, the second thing that, that you need to know is the outwardly focused life is defined by usefulness, all right, it, it, by, by service. Um, to have a, I think to have a purpose in this world is, is, is resident in every human heart. But to have kingdom purpose is resident in every kingdom heart. How many of you want your faith to matter and make a difference? Of course you do. I did, you do. You want this to be different. Something supernatural has entered the world and it has entered with you. Not you by yourself, but you with the presence of the Holy Spirit who now is working to, to, to uh, be in charge. He's the one who equips us for service. He's the one who changes our life. See, an outwardly focused life is defined by how we give away what we have been given. That's what really makes us servants, giving away what we have been given. Martin Luther King Jr. once wrote, everybody, he said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. When Jesus was getting ready to send his 12 out by themselves, this is the first time they went without Jesus being there. They had watched him do it. They had, they'd seen, seen the miracles. They'd heard the sermons. They'd seen Jesus care for people. But now this is like the first time that he pushed them out the door, kicked the babies out of the nest. And he said, now you go do what I did. And this is what he said, Matthew 10, 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. That's their sermon. But then he said, this is how it's supposed to work out. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. If you don't have it, you can't give it, right? I can't give away something I don't own, something that doesn't belong to me. What Jesus said is, I just gave it to you. Now go give it away. And that's what they did, and it went out. Now, here's what I want you to know. What Jesus told them, uh, this, these marching orders, those things have never been rescinded. 
It's never changed. This is your message. Kingdom of heaven has come near. I can give you details about how that happens. Jesus' death and resurrection in his life. And he said, but, but by the work, verify what I'm saying and go take care of people's needs right where they're really living. You have to pay attention to your own soul and you can't assume that because there's a lot going on out here that everything is all right in here. Both of those things have to be true. Um, I want my public ministry to be, to be functional, but I want my inner life to be functioning as well. See, um, I really began at that point, I, I told you, I really did begin pursuing the Holy Spirit's leadership in my life. I wanted to know, I wanted to know who he was, but I also wanted to do ministry. That was, that was born pretty early in me. And, and so I started doing ministry and I was doing it any and every place I could find. And I, was, I started praying for people, even when I didn't, uh, you know, didn't understand all that was going on. Uh, I, I, I saw God begin to do things around me, started answering prayer. I started telling other people what I knew. They started doing it. They started praying, doing the things. None of us, none of us were theologians. None of us had deep experience. I, had a, I was leading a bunch of kids. I started this coffee house, and, and it was all kids, and kids were getting saved and set free and, and, uh, and all this stuff. I, I, had no, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing it with great enthusiasm. And I was doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit. It was like cutting, I was cutting my teeth. So, uh, I, um, I, I hit, a, hit one of those milestones here in April. I, I have 50 years in ministry. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, Holy Spirit. Um, the counseling is going well. I'm feeling a lot better about myself. We're going to be fine. See, what began to happen is I stepped out, and as these other kids that I was leading, I said, wait a minute, man, if I can do this, you can do it too. So I told them what I knew, and so they went. But what, what happened is the Holy Spirit began to back our action. You understand if you never step up to the plate, you never get a hit. And if you don't take a cut, you don't get a hit. So I just started swinging. There were a few swings and misses. There were a lot of swings and misses. But what I began to find out was that God was dependable. He wanted my heart to be right, but he wanted what he was doing inside of me to also matter to other people. So I began to find out that God, in fact, could be trusted. Now, for kingdom service, engaging the Holy Spirit's gifts is imperative. You got nothing, folks. I got nothing. But I began to find out that he had everything. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12.4, this is a list of gifts. He, he also talks about some other things, what he calls working and service, that the Holy Spirit is behind. We usually land on the gifts in this particular uh, discourse of Paul. But let me just read a few of these verses. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit who distributes them. There are different kinds of service. That's another word, another thing the Holy Spirit does. Same word there that uh, we get our word deacon from, uh, diakonos, the, 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 the service. That, but it's Holy Spirit-inspired service. You know, it, that, you know, anybody can feed the poor, but what does it look like Holy Spirit-inspired feeding of the poor? What does that look like? What happens when he gets involved? Well, you can find that in Acts 6 
and seven, when, when Stephen, who, who is a deacon, to serve the, the widows food and to make sure their needs are met, he starts praying for them and God starts using him. And then another guy, Philip, who's also in that list, they start praying for people and God starts healing and moving and doing things among the people that just is, are, blows them out of the water, gets Stephen in trouble. But he, he just is serving but he's serving under the direction of the Holy Spirit. He said, it's the same Lord, verse six, there's a different, different kinds of working. That word uh, is in the uh, Greek is a word we get our word energy from. Uh, and and it's, it's a word uh, that, that talks about it, the, the way that the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the energy, so to speak, of the Holy Spirit begins to work over and above any of our abilities. He does things that we can't know. So all of those things, it, it, verse seven says, each one of the, uh, the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, this is, here's, a, here's a great secret. Every gift of the Holy Spirit matches a human need. Bingo. Now you know why the gifts exist. It's not for you to show off. Not for me. Is for other people. This is God who cares, still cares about people. And so these gifts, this, this by design, uh, here, here's God's presence functioning in and around us. He's the designer, he's the administrator, he becomes the fuel source. He's all of those things. Now, I want to say several things about the gifts of the Spirit and what they're really based on and what they're for. Now, the first one of these is, is the unique call that's on my life. Now, this is what most people know. If you're going to be functioning, if you're going to be giving something away, God's doing a work in my life, and I'm going to be giving it away, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit needs to be on that, or it's really not going to have much impact on anyone. I want it to be God. And so I began to trust Him for that. But it, early on in, in my experience, I guess I'm telling you my story this morning, not all of it, but a little of it, but early on in my experience, I began to realize that I could take care of people, that I, I, I saw people, and, and I, I began to pick things up about them, and I began to address them, and pretty soon I'm, I'm shepherding, I'm caring for people, and before long it's pretty obvious that I'm a pastor. The one thing in all the world I told God I would never be. <laughs> so I called it by other names. My dad was a pastor. I, I, grew up, I grew up living next door to churches. And the problem with pastors is they have to have people in their lives. <laughs> I watched it all my life. And I just thought, I'm not going to do that. And guess what? I started doing it like I got up in the morning to breathe. That became the defining gift of my life. This was when the Holy Spirit began to, to, to uh, show me that this was the place I was going to be spending most of my time, where I was going to be functional most of the time. I began to gain confidence in that area. I, I began to, to, to be most familiar with it. And people began to recognize it. I began to feel comfortable. It felt like home. And so what I was doing was the thing I'd been called to do. And many of you are in this same place. You're, you're also there. I'm comfortable in this place. This is, what, this is what God has. Every one of us has this unique role to play in the body of the Christ, that I'm in my role. 
I'm doing my thing. And, and it's satisfying for me, and it's good for other people. Remember what it said, it's for the common good. People are actually benefiting from me being here. But then a mistake can come with that. The mistake comes, however, when I believe that this is the only place that I can or will be asked to function. Peter was becoming a leader, but the gift of healing begins to move in him, and a man set free and walks for the first time. See, there's something that Jesus did that I think was very exciting. I studied trying to figure out how did Jesus do what he did? Well, how did he heal? How did he have these words for people that were so in the moment and knew is like reading their mail? How did he do it? And as I read and read and read and read and read, I was reading the Gospels, I found out there was no, there was no real template. There wasn't a formula. That's what I wanted. But what there was was Jesus paying attention to whatever the Holy Spirit was doing in that exact moment. And that was the secret. He said, whatever I see the Father doing, that's what I do. Whatever I hear the Father saying, that's what I say. He says, it's amazing how your percentages go up. So, so th that same thing began to become the reality, and I began to realize that I could be used in other ways. Here's a, here's a story for you. Believe it if you want. I'm pretty young in ministry. I'm leading worship. Uh, one, one night, small group, maybe 50 people. And I was leading worship, and it was just one of those nights, man. Presence of God was so sweet and gentle and filling the room, and people kind of... So I, was, I stepped back away from the microphone, and I'm worshiping, quietly worshiping. I knew everybody in the room except one person. I had met her, but I didn't, I didn't know her. She was an exchange student from Madrid, just gotten there, was living with a family that was very active in our church, and she had come to church that night out of respect for her, parent, her, her, her parents in this year. Um, I stepped back, and I'm worshiping. I'm caught up in the moment. I'm playing my guitar. You know, I'm background music at this point. I did not own this many stuff, you guys. This is, uh, this is pretty impressive up here. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Send people to the moon with this stuff. Anyway, I, I'm standing there, and I'm worshiping, and all of a sudden, I realize I'm speaking Spanish. Not my high school Spanish, because I'd already tried that on her, and she laughed at me. This felt like good Spanish. And it felt like I couldn't, I didn't understand what I was saying, but I knew this was good. So I stepped back to the microphone. I mean, what else would you do, right? If you're, gonna, if you're gonna be a fool for Christ, you might as well just be a big one. <laughs> and so I just said whatever was coming out of my mouth, and then I stepped back again. Girl was standing in the back, head down, she never flinched. I went, well, <laughs> yep, fool. <laughs> but afterwards, I went to her and I said, Ada, I said, how'd you like the worship tonight? She looked at me and she said, you scare me. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you don't speak Spanish. I said, no, I don't speak Spanish. I said, but God spoke to you tonight, didn't he? She just looked. She didn't say one. I said, what did he say? She wouldn't tell me. She just kept looking at me. Within a week, she'd given her heart to Jesus. Never said under the gospel before. 
She engaged at the youth group more than she did at the high school, engaged with the women's ministry when she went back to Spain on fire for Jesus. She ended up, she's a, she's a, a, a doctor now in Madrid. She brought a women's ministry that has had huge impact in Spain. Do you believe that story? That's happened to me twice, two times. I wish I'd told somebody, I wish it was South Korean <laughs> and Spanish both times. What is that about? I, I mean, is that like, we used to take, we used to take kids. You guys do not sell yourself short, you front row seats. We used to train kids to pray. We'd preach, we'd train. We'd take them out of the country, take them to, to Guatemala. And, uh, and the kids would, um, you know, we, we would preach and then we'd kind of step back because everybody wants to come and have the, whoever preached, they want you to pray for them. But we just had the kids stand up, 16-year-old boy. Now, this kid was not from my church. I didn't see this happen. I, I, I witnessed what happened the next day. 16 years old. We told him, do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Well, this guy came up with a serious skin condition. He'd had it all of his, his life. They said that there were flakes of skin falling, like a really serious eczema or something. The 16-year-old kid gets down on his knees. He says, I feel like the Holy Spirit has told me to lick this guy's foot. Yeah, same, same reaction. <laughs> same reaction. I was like, well, we didn't teach you that, but you know, whatever. So I heard about this later. I wasn't even around. 16-year-old kid. Didn't know him very well. Wasn't from our church. Next day, the guy comes in. He says, look at me. He said, when I woke up this morning, all of the skin, all that old skin was in my bed, and I'm healed. 16. There's a kid that was in the moment. I do not encourage and do not teach the licking thing. <laughs> and I don't know if that, do you, do you understand? You see, this was not, this healing was not a, some sort of a ploy in the early church to get, to get a, 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 like an opening act for the church to get attention. This was clear proof of God's character. The Bible teaches several things that, that the reasons God heals, he heals because he has compassion. How many times the scripture says, and Jesus had compassion and he healed? Or he, or he multiplied the bread, rose the, uh, raised the, the son of this widow woman from the dead. It says he had a compassion, and compassion drove the healing. Another place, he says, no, this is for God's glory. He said, with Lazarus, he said, oh, he's not just dying. This is for God's glory. And then God was glorified. Other times, there's faith involved. And the woman that with the issue of blood touches his garment, and Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. Somebody's faith was on the, was on, and, and, and all these different, sometimes it's just the promise of God, I'll heal. And then we trust his word and he does. But folks, I'm telling you, this is normal Christian living. Not what I have been taught. I want to just say one final thing. The, other, the thing that's sometimes missing in our world is God, God hasn't left. God hasn't changed. He's not anyone, any different than he was when Jesus walked the earth. He's the same God with the same compassion, same caring. The problem is our availability. Holy Spirit's always available, but I am not. See, 
God has always had a desire to partner with us, to be with us, because there's nothing more convincing than when a mere human being, someone like me, someone like that 16-year-old kid, and I've got story after story after story of my, for myself and for other people that I've known and witnessed who just stepped in, putting themselves into this uncomfortable moment, who got out of their own head long enough to let the Holy Spirit have control and then began to act on what they saw, and they began to see the compassion of God, the glory of God, the promises of God being kept. It's happened time and time and time again. But if you don't make yourself available, see, the outwardly focused life meets needs, real needs. But the outwardly focused life is only realized through availability. What's more spiritual? We pray for someone with a skin condition and they get healed or we end up downtown feeding the homeless. Which one of those is the most spiritual thing? I don't think there's much of a difference. I think in the name of Jesus and under his direction, we're all living in the same thing. Like I said last time I preached, it's sometimes, for God, it's just Tuesday. It seems miraculous and supernatural to me, but for God, it's no big deal. I think what he's looking for are people like you and me who will step aside and say, would you mind if I pray for that? So many times I've done that. I have no special move or you know, whatever. And until I start to pray, I don't even really know what God wants. So I start praying. That's why I'm so quick to pray for people. It's like, that's, I don't know anything until I start to pray. But it's in that faithfulness, in, in that willingness, availability, that I've begun to see God act again and again. And again, Father, we are your people. We love you. And we want the work of the Holy Spirit to be real and credible. Lord, I want to be as credible a witness to the goodness of God as I can be. But Lord, there's absolutely no way that the, that will ever happen without the Holy Spirit's presence being as active as he can be in my life. Lord, Fill your people with the Holy Spirit. Baptize us. Make us whole people, Lord, on the inside that, God, what comes out of us will be so clean that, Lord, it will begin to transform our city. Bless us, Father, with a sense of your presence and a willingness, Lord, and availability, not looking to another to do it, but, Lord, volunteering and letting you be the director of our lives. And we pray it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to catch more of this series and hear more messages like this. You can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com.